0: We're taking the opportunity here with Advent, starting to just work, start to work our way through the book of the Gospel of Luke uh, in the New Testament. So um, I sent out, if you're on our email list, we sent out um, a link to a reading list, if you wish, like a reading plan that just probably no more than 10 verses a day, uh, and you will make your way through the Gospel of Luke, I think, by the end of April. So... um, which reminds me, if you if you don't uh, receive email, email announcements from us and would like to, just send us an email uh, to info, info at darbycreek.org, and just ask to be added to. Um, we have an email announcement list. We also have a prayer list where people can send out their, their prayer requests, and they go out to everybody on the list. So either one of those you can request to be a part of. Um, but... Uh, um, and I also uh, a lot of times when we go through a book, I'll, I'll mention some resources that might be you might find interesting. And uh, in that email, I mentioned this. There's a uh, uh, there's a kind of it's like a devotional commentary I'd call it. Um, that this guy years ago, this guy by the name of J. C. Ryle, and uh, he wrote these for his family so he could have family devotions, and um, very readable, uh, you know. Like I said, it just covers like a few verses in the Gospel of Luke every day. But then he just has some of his own thoughts. They're called expository thoughts on the Gospels. They have one of these on every one of the Gospels. But uh, there's a volume on uh, Luke. Now this one says volume one. Um, that's because I've had it for years. It, it used to be in two volumes. Now it's in one. But it's it's if you're looking for something that as you read the scriptures to kind of read alongside with. Um, to look for some application to your personal life, it's a great resource. I'd recommend it to you. Um, so uh, that's that. Um, let's go to prayer here and ask for God's help as we get into his word this morning. Lord, we come to you and just um, are thankful that um, that you are with us, that uh, you have said wherever two or three gather together in your name, there you are in their midst and Thank you for this this time where we look forward to to uh, you know celebrating the, the first advent, the first coming of christ but and uh, but it just also reminds us um, as people who are, are here on this earth after he's come the fir- Christ has come the first time, as we look forward to uh, his return um, to, to his return so lord we're thankful to, to that and so we, uh, but we do want to um, Ask you God to help us this morning. Help us to, um, maybe there are some things that happened over Thanksgiving that were hard, that were challenging for us. Um, God, help us to to lay those at your feet. You said to cast all your cares upon you because you care for us. And so, Lord, we want to do that. And just in our minds now, just to to things that might be bothering us. God, we just want to say, Lord, please um, help. Help us to focus on your word this morning. And we trust you with this thing that's going on in our lives right now that you are the God of the universe. You can help us uh, through it, uh, whatever it is. And so we we give it to you now. And Lord, we also just want to lift up those in our family, our church family, our friends um, that are really struggling right now with their health, that are battling diseases and difficulties. Lord, would you um, strengthen them? Would you heal them? Would you uh, draw them close to yourself and let them have um, claim and cling to your promises if they know you um, as Savior? And Lord, we just um, pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would would just connect with our spirit. We ask it in Jesus' name, Amen. So um, this morning. I'm just hoping I didn't bite off more than I can chew. I think we can do this. Um, the reason I'm doing these two uh, announcements uh these are like gabriel's an, uh, announcements is uh, uh he's making two big announcements that's what we're calling it um is the reason we're do- I'm doing this is because um I think these were meant to be uh, compared and to compared and contrasted, like the responses to these announcements that, um, that these uh, two ladies were going to have babies. And um, one would give birth to John the Baptist, the other one to, of course, Jesus himself. And so it's just quite quite an, uh, a, an amazing um, true story here. So let me just uh, read these opening verses for you here. Um, this is um, the book of Luke, verses 1. Uh, Uh, concerning the things you have been taught. And so, um, it's important for us to kind of, from the get-go, realize, you know, what is Luke's purpose? Why is he writing this stuff? What is he? Um, why is he doing this? And he really lays it out. He's like, he wants to give a reliable account uh, of the word that was delivered to them um, from eyewitnesses and to people who had been ministering to them, leaders of their churches. And so, he's like, I'm relaying to this, I've done the uh, I've interviewed eyewitnesses to the things that you've been taught and so he says he he makes a an orderly account of these things and in verse 3 there where it says that he is having he says having followed all things closely that word closely there just means carefully and accurately um now you may not know this but Luke um is referred to in Colossians, uh, which is a letter that Paul wrote to the Church of Colossae as the beloved physician. He's a doctor. Okay, So Luke is a doctor, and being such is probably one who's very accustomed to paying attention to the details. right? And so he's collected uh, all these eyewitness accounts and taking the things that uh, have been passed on to him from the people who ministered the Word of God to him as well and uh, so he's, he's carefully done this. But in, in giving these reliable and ordered account, um, he says that he wants the accounting of these facts and the teachings um, that this person, Theophilus, would be certain about the things he's been taught. In other words, I, I want you to know that the things that I, I'm, I'm telling you, and yet you've been taught, they're true. You can be certain about these things. Okay, so... Um, And I think this is good, because from the outset, we realize this gospel has been written so that you might know the teachings of Jesus are for certain, they're true, and I encourage you that if you have doubts, to hang in there with us, And, and as we go through this gospel, and that you might come to understand that they are certain, that they are true, that they are so, they're not just... Uh, a nice idea to keep us fairly moral that it is the this is the truth and so um, so we you know we believe in Jesus because we know that these things are written and are true, our faith is factual you know um and I think that's important for for anyone to understand um, is that and so so let's let's dive in here to gabriel's uh, first announcement that he makes to Zechariah. And uh, so we'll be kind of breaking down some of the verses in verse 5 to 25. So the way I'm doing this is basically um, I'm, I'm looking at a handful of verses and then there's kind of a natural break and we'll talk about it and then we'll go on to the next rather than reading all 38 verses and then forgetting what we read and then trying to refer in our brains back to it, okay? At least my brain can't uh, remember that far back. So. All right, so let's take a look here, verses uh, 5 to 7. It says, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. Um, So this kind of places us uh, in, you know, a historical time here, the days of Herod. Herod was notoriously evil and wicked, oppressive. Um, You know, put some of your worst adjectives after it. That would pretty much explain Herod. And so um, he certainly uh, wasn't... um, a fun time to be living living there under the Roman rule. And so this is the time in which uh, these announcements are made. Um, and said he was king of Judea. There was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. So you have Zechariah as a priest, and his wife is from the priestly line, right? And so it's like a match made in heaven there, right? Uh, these two priestly families, um, married. All right? It says, and and they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. So we know about their character. They're godly people, right? Uh, But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. So this is their... You know, as you can imagine, especially even then, uh, how having children was so like critical, and and many uh, people at that time would have said, okay, if you're not if you're barren, then it's probably because there's a curse on you, that you've done something wrong." even though we know that's not correct, um, just culturally speaking, there was a lot of pressure there to have children, and they have not been able to have any. Um, And it says they were both advanced in years. So, you know, you would think that, you know, so the the time, I guess the idea is that the time has passed here for childbearing, most likely. And so they're making a statement about that. Now, so let's take a look in here. Um, uh, And I did want to mention, too, is that, you know, the fact that they say that, you know, Elizabeth and Zachary were godly people, and yet they had this great trial in their life, is just a good reminder, just a simple reminder that, Hey, you know, you may be godly, but you will also encounter great trials, right, and, and disappointments. That That's going to happen, okay? And it doesn't mean that you've necessarily done something wrong to, quote, deserve the trial that you're in. And I think that's an important thing to remember. Now, so the message that comes to Zechariah here, verse 8. Now, while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, there were 18,000 priests, roughly, okay, to pull from. And uh, so, you know, as it says next, it says, According to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot. They drew lots. That's how they decided that who, whichever division was on duty, uh, they would draw lots and see who would go in and, um, and offer the burn incense and so on and minister in the temple. So It says, According to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And it says, the whole multitude uh, of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there, were, and there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. Verse 13 says, uh, but the angel said to him, do, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. You shall call his name John. Now, certainly when the priest is in there and he's offering incense, you know, many times in the scriptures the incense are, is referred to as symbolic of the prayers of the saints going up before the Lord, right? So you would just imagine that the priest is in there as he's burning the incense. He's praying too. He's praying on behalf of God's people. But um, many times, especially in the evening sacrifice, they would be praying for the salvation of Israel, for the Messiah to come, for their Deliverer, okay? And so um, we could could pretty much count on the fact that as he's um, offering his prayers, that certainly the Messiah and their Deliverer would come would be one of those prayers, praying for the people of God. And so um, isn't it interesting, though, that as as he's offering those prayers the angel gabriel shows up and of course he's startled um, and uh i mean this is a big day you think about this uh you 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 might not ever in your life actually serve inside the temple to do what he's doing because it's a drawing of lots and 18,000 priests i mean you know it's just this is a huge uh opportunity for him and a and a major day a major day and experience for him as he's in there doing this and wanting to do everything right before the Lord, of course. And and an angel shows up with a message to him that his prayer has been heard, okay? And then he says, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And uh, there's lots of discussion about, like, well, what, what was he praying for? Was he in the moment praying for a son or... Was this a prayer that's been answered from a time past? I mean, we don't really know. Um, but, uh, and I don't think it really matters. The the, answer, the the thing is, is that God's answering the prayer, right? right? And he's answering that prayer. But in the answer to that prayer is coming the answer to all the nation's prayer, right? For the deliverer. And so, um, because John would point towards G, the coming of Jesus, right? He would be the forerunner. Uh, of Jesus pointing people to the way. And so so here we have um, the angel would say that his prayer was answered and Zechariah would soon have a son. And at the same time, answering the nation's prayer for a Messiah would also be working its way through the answer to this prayer. And I just think it's kind of amazing to think that we have a God who is intimately like involved in our lives uh, and, and answering these prayers that we put up before him, but also the fact that within our lives, he works redemption for other people, right? And that's what he was doing here, Like right? Obviously, um, uh, this was something unique, but so many times, right, he works in our lives in ways that affect other people's lives, right? And some of the answers to the prayers that he, 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 do, he does by his grace for us also have an impact on the people around us. Right and have an impact sometimes redemptively that they might come to faith or see the faithfulness of God in our lives. And so um, here we have this announcement that, hey, you're going to have a baby. You guys, or actually your wife is going to have a baby. But uh, Elizabeth's going to have a baby after all these many years. And so uh, so let's see what the angel tells us about John. He said that the baby's name is going to be John. Uh, Somebody had to wrestle with baby names. Wouldn't it be nice if God just came and said, here, here's the name, right? (laughs) His name will be John or her name will be Susie or whatever. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? It's it's hard to decide on those names, but here uh, they got the name, right, if uh, the name's going to be John. Okay, well, let's learn about John the Baptist's ministry. Now, um, I'm a little tongue-in-cheek here, but, you know, it doesn't mean that John was a Baptist. Okay, some people read that John the Baptist. I think he, John was a Baptist. That means he wasn't a Lutheran or wasn't whatever. No, it just he was the baptizer, right? He was he's as you read along in the in the book of Luke, you realize he's out in the wilderness and people he's turning people to God. They're repenting, turn to God, and they get baptized as a symbolic um, action that they've turned from their sin. But he's known as the baptizer. And so here, let's learn about what he's going to do, what the angel says about what John's going to do and be. Um, and again, I just like, I, I know this is not the main thing of the, of the thing, but when you think about this, if you're a parent, you think about wouldn't it be cool if like God said, this is what your kid's going to do ahead of time. Uh, now, some of the things that are told of what's happening to John here, we're like, whoa, I don't know about that one um, in terms of the implications of it. But here it says, and you will have joy and gladness. And them, many will rejoice at his birth, uh, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel uh, to the Lord their God. And then it says, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom uh, of the just, to make ready uh, for the Lord a people prepared. And so, there's a lot in here, but just mentioning a few things, that it says he's going to be great before the Lord. That just means, you know, he's going to live a life that's pleasing to God. You know, somebody that's called that's great before the Lord certainly is going to be living a life obediently to God. It uh, says he'll be controlled by the Holy Spirit and not alcohol. I thought it's kind of interesting that it mentions those together because that's how it's expressed in Ephesians 5.18. It says, hey, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Right? And so I think that's the, you know, what he's saying here is that, you know, And I know also that there was a Nazarite vow that could be made also that would say that I'm not I'm going to abstain from alcohol, uh, so I won't be under that influence. But, but he'll be led by the Spirit. He'll be filled with the Spirit. And then this statement about turning the hearts of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. Uh, he's going to be pointing people to Jesus and you know, pointing people to God. And this is really um, a fulfillment, uh, prophetic fulfillment, of things that were said at the very end of the Old Testament. Uh, You've got to realize, too, when we're coming in here, we're entering into the New Testament, um, there hasn't been a prophetic word that we have recorded for 400 years between uh, the end of Malachi and the beginning of the gospel times. Um, so just imagine this. And now let me read for you the last couple of verses in the book of Malachi. So the very last book of the Old Testament um, in Malachi chapter 4, the last two verses, 5 and 6, say the following. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children, and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Don't you see the similarities there, the things that were being said here? Um, now, we know this is not like uh, reincarnation of Elijah, but it, this is like, you know, the, in the spirit and the power of Elijah, he's coming as one who will prophetically speak. And, you know, he, it, okay, if you read up on Elijah, okay, he was a straight shooter, okay? <laughs> just, he told people like it was when the Lord told him to deliver a word as hard as it would have been for people to hear. Uh, he delivered it with faithfulness, And but people didn't necessarily like it, right? And so, um, uh, you know, if you hear that your kid's going to be like in the power and spirit of Elijah, there's a positive. But then we're also thinking, well, okay, you know, he had a tough he had a tough road to hoe, as we used to say. You know, it was difficult, um, but but he was faithful. He he, he told the truth uh, about what God said uh, about how people were living. But uh, his ministry, right? He didn't as he didn't care about the opinions of others. But this this John John the Baptist, he's going to be Telling people to repent and to turn back to the Lord—that's what repent means—is to turn back, right? Turn their hearts back away from whatever their hearts are pursuing, other than God, God, and to turn to the Lord, right? And um, and so um, he he's he's pointing people to Jesus, and I, I think that you know we all have that ministry if you're a believer. Um, if you're, I mean, I know John uniquely had the ministry uh, of being the forerunner of Jesus, but we have a ministry of pointing people to Jesus, right? If you're a follower of Christ, um, we have been commissioned by God to tell other people uh, to, to let them know that that Christ has come, the the Savior has come, and He's come to save us from our sins, and He He, he has a purpose for your life, and all the all the things that come with that. And so, um, think about that as John was pointing people. To the Lord because he was not looking for fame and you'll see that um, as as Jesus come will come on the scene here in, in the in the future chapters as we'll read um, he will just fade up into the background okay and so he uh, knew it was't you know, was about him that what is about pointing people to Jesus so here we that's that's what's told by the angel to Zechariah so this is all happening inside that temple as he's offering um, the incense before the Lord. Now let's take a look at his response here in the following verses, Zechariah's response. Verse 18, And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. In other words, this does not seem like something that's going to be happening because of the the physical uh, reality that he and his wife find themselves in. And the angel answered him, said, "I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. Um, it's almost like, you know, um I'm just delivering the message, and if you know, this comes straight from the Lord God, uh, if that's not good enough for you, then you got a problem. And he will have a problem in a minute, okay, right? But but this is just like, this is the word of the Lord. It's come, I'm, right, I'm right in the presence of the Lord. He told me to tell you this. That's it, right? And so verse 20, and behold, here comes the consequences. And you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words. So, um, you know, you could say, well, he was just asking a question, but what was behind it was unbelief, okay? It wasn't like, I believe you, but how's that going to happen? It was, it was like he wasn't believing it. Um, the angel tells us this. He says, um, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And then he says, um, I want me to stop there for a second. So he, um, what we need to see, though, is that God's going to deliver whatever he says. Right? He, whatever God promises, that he's going to do. Even in spite of this man's unbelief at the time, he's going to go ahead and do it, right? Even though he's, he's having trouble believing this, I think he's probably, once he start realizes he can't talk anymore, he's probably going to believe it, right? That this is actually going to happen because even though I'm bearing the consequences, that means we're going to have a baby, Right? I mean you know, so you t- you got to take the good with the bad. I, yeah, I got some consequences here, but yeah, we're we definitely are having a baby now, you know. Um and so um, So yeah, I, I was just going to mention that Gabriel gives as as Zechariah a rebuke that he'll be mute, but also grace that those things are still going to happen. Okay? So praise God for that that he's always faithful to his promises, right? Um and so verse 21 and it says there, and the people were waiting for Zechariah and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And so, you know, we, we read earlier they're gathered around outside as the incense going up. They're probably praying too. They're probably praying for him. They're probably praying for God's blessing. But oftentimes, I mean, they're waiting uh, because what would happen is typically the priest would come out and pronounce a blessing uh, when they're done uh, from this a part of their ministry in the temple. And they would come out. Um, and and they would they would say what Aaron was uh, said in Numbers chapter six uh, verse twenty four to twenty six where the blessing you probably heard this before the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make His face shine upon you be gracious to you the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace they that would be a blessing that the priests would uh, often say when they would come out of that temple service and so they're waiting for that they're wondering what's the delay and so uh we're gonna find out, right? He says, comes out there and says, When he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. Um and he, I mean, we know it wasn't a vision. We know he actually encountered Gabriel, but they they're the thinking that he must, something, he must have seen a vision, so therefore he can't even speak about it. Okay. Um, and he kept making signs to them and remained unmute. So, you know, you imagine this game of charades going on, right, to try to explain, uh, you know, what happened in there, okay? And so, uh, because he can't speak, because of his believe he didn't believe the message at first. And then it says, uh, and when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. And after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months, she kept herself hidden, saying... Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when He looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. And again, that reproach just being the expectation that you know, if all was going well and you were faithful and you were godly, that you would have children, right? And so, um, and so she's just happy that uh, that re- cultural reproach is going to be removed, and that God is blessing her with a child. And so. Um, I want to just pause here just for a second, just to think about um, impossible situations. It's how God loves to work in impossible situations, right? I mean, they knew the biology of their situation, that this seemed to be pretty impossible, that at that stage of the game they're going to have children, but God made a way, all right? He made it so that she could conceive, and um, and it's just, you know, uh, God cares about our seemingly impossible situations, and here we have, in this particular situation, a couple's pain of being childless, right? And um, and that that was part of God's purpose and part of His His plan of redemption. But He heard their prayer, and I think you need to know that. Hey, um, I mean, I don't know that if God will answer your prayer specifically. But you need to know that if you know Christ as Savior, you now uh, have access to the God uh, who can do the impossible, okay? God can do anything, right? Um, and, and, and we see this time and time again. I mean, how many times, you know, do you see as you read your Bible, people who were barren who were then had children, right? Um, you think of Hannah in the Old Testament. And, and there are there are others, you know. Um, but but just uh but don't even just think about that particular situation, having a child, but just think about a difficulty that just seems impossible for you. And that um if you know Christ as Savior, you know, you you know a God now who can do anything. And so it's okay to ask him to do the impossible, okay? Uh, and you, do, you throw those prayers up and you ask him to work on your behalf and you, you do trust him uh, with whether it's the right time for that or whether that's a good thing for you at all, right? Um, because um, if you're a parent, you realize that sometimes one thing, that's, some, one thing that's good for one child is not good for another. Uh, and that's, that's good parenting. That's not partiality. That's actually good parenting. Uh, and so, you know, think about it in, in a much grander way. God knows what's best for me and for you. And, and uh, it might be best that he does answer that prayer of, of removing that impossible situation or whatever it might be or helping you through that impossible task. Um, but it might be that he does not, but he does promise, though, his presence with us if he doesn't remove the situation or change things uh, for you. And okay, that's that's the thing. When you think about Emmanuel, God with us, right, Jesus Christ being born as a baby and being present with us on the earth. Um, I was just reading in my own personal devotions here recently, um, John 14, where he promises the that, he says, well, I got to go away so that I can send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, another, another, helper like me, but I'll be present with you, each one of you. And he'll, he said, I don't want be with you, but he'll be in you, right? And every believer in Christ has the Holy Spirit in them, and he will empower us to endure what seems to us to be impossible situations, hard difficulties, right? And so, um, I, I just, um I, I, you know, I just think about these these two announcements that are made. Um, God is doing the impossible. He does it in different ways. Okay. In other words, uh, when when Mary, you know, she hasn't had relations with any man. Okay. Whereas Elizabeth has, right? And so, uh, but but God is 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 in the one situation uh, basically making things so that their biology is working and and they're not beyond years. Whereas in Mary's situation, it's a whole different deal, right? But it's, a, it's, it's just an, it's an amazing, impossible situation that God works in. All right, so let's move on to that next announcement, right? Is that Gabriel's announcement to Mary. So now we, uh, you know, Zechariah and Mary, they've got their great news. He's, you know, he's a good listener right now because he can't talk, right? So he's, he, you know, so him and Elizabeth, they're hanging out. He's working on his listing sales. And now we've got Gabriel's announcement to Mary. Um, Here, let's dive in here. So we've got uh, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee. So, different area here, named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And uh, he came to her and said. Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. You shall call his name Jesus. Um, It's amazing that Mary would be chosen um, because a lot of people you think are chosen for a great task you know, or of great nobility, um, you know, and all this sort of thing. But um, as I've been reading ahead in Luke, I realized when these guys went to, the, to, um, to dedicate baby Jesus, they gave the poorest offering that you could give. In other words, um, when you look at the Old Testament law, the rules for, like, how you were going to offer certain sacrifices, it was basically like, okay, well, then... If you're, if you're too poor, then you give this. Well, that's what her and Joseph gave. And so, um, I just know that, you know, this, this is a, a poor couple. They don't have much, right? And, um, and God has chosen the poor, uh, this person who has nothing to be, <laughs> to, to, to house the Son of God. And that's just a glory to God. That's a glory to God, right? Because you would think that, well, this person is not going to be used by God. They're kind of like a, they're a nobody. But that's just the way God works. He loves using what we call nobodies, right? Um, so she's, she's poor, she's young, right? All, all these characteristics that every day her day would make her seem unusable to God. But God chose Mary for one of the most important acts of obedience uh, he has ever demanded of anyone. It's, it's just amazing. And so, I find great encouragement to that in that you may feel your ability, your experience, or your education makes you an unlikely candidate for God's service. That doesn't matter. Okay, that doesn't matter. Just a willing soul, someone who would submit to God, that's all he needs. Okay? That's all he needs. You want to be used of God? You just need to lay it on the table and say, God, this is my life. You can have it. You you use me. You work in my life. You change me. I'm willing to, to do whatever, go wherever, speak whatever you want me to. Uh, but that's, what, that's all he needs. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter what you've done. right? If you've, if you've um, come to faith in Christ, all your sin is forgiven. Right? It doesn't matter um, what, what uh, type of family you've come from, how much money you have in your bank account. God is not limited by any of that. In fact, I suspect some of the people who have the weightiest crowns in heaven, if you will, are people we've never heard of, okay that we've never heard of who probably see themselves as like, "I'm just doing what the Lord wants me to do you know? and And I think that's cool because you know that and we mentioned this the other day how God's kingdom is like an upside down kingdom. It works kind of the opposite the way this world does. this world values power and uh, status and all this stuff, and that's not what God's about, right? Um, and so he values humility and, and just just surrender to him. That's that's what he's looking for. Well, let's see what the uh, angel Gabriel has to say about Jesus' kingship here. He says, um, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give uh, will give to him the throne of his father David. And uh I guess that's the last part I want to say on on that the last verse I should say um no one more, and he will he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end, okay, so um when you look at the lineage, right, you see that Jesus is coming through this line of David, and if you recall you may not recall, but back in second Samuel seven sixteen it said that um, David, there would always be somebody on the throne of the line of David forever, right? And here we have Jesus being born because of Mary and Joseph's marriage. Um, now Jesus is being born into this lineage, and it says that he will. It says there will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. That is a fulfillment. Of uh, Messianic promise, right? And so, this is this is why it says that. And so, you know, Mary's getting this news that okay, you know, by the way, that baby in there, that's going to be the Savior. Right? <laughs> it's going to be fulfillment of all that we've been praying for, right? Uh, the, the the every time the priest went in there was praying those prayers and praying for the Messiah to come. This is the fulfillment of all of that, right? So. Now, Mary's response is quite different from Zechariah's. Again, I think that's why these these two stories are put right next to each other. Um, And um, not just because it may be chronologically so, but just because we could see the the two different responses. Zechariah is one of unbelief. um, And here we have, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Um, And so... Here the response from the angel is, and the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. And for nothing will be impossible with God. Verse 37, that's a wonderful verse. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And, um, I mean, I said it earlier, but, you know, she asked a question about how will this be, but obviously in her heart she was still believing. She was like looking for some clarification. Like, you know, uh, I know, I took biology, and I know that I haven't been with a man, and i got to have a man if I'm be with, you know, they were betrothed, so but the betrothal last a while before you're we actually going to be together, right? And so, um, and so she just realizes that okay, this is going to be a Holy Spirit deal, right? This is going to involve a man, um, and so I mean, again, this is just the this has never been done before, <laughs> never, right? So isn't that isn't that amazing though? Because I'm thinking about Elizabeth and Zechariah. Okay, they could point to the Old Testament. They could say Abraham and Sarah. Yeah, they. That happened to them you know that maybe that could happen to us you know but this thing is happening with mary there's like no historical record for this right this is totally never been done or <coughs> never been done you know and so but she believes it she just asks for clarification and um and uh she's just a willing servant um now i wanted to mention here um just several three things I'm just mention why the virgin birth is important because some people say, well, you know uh it'd be fine if it was just um if it wasn't a virgin birth, you know it it'd all be the same and I say, well, no, it's not <laughs> it makes it a different deal um uh and so one is uh this might just seem master of the obvious but if 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 mary um if Jesus was not born of a virgin uh the gospel writers uh, are lying, <laughs> right? So we can't trust the Gospels then, right? If that's, I mean, it just seems a, a simple statement, but I'm saying, you know, that's a problem. And I don't know about you, but, you know, if I can't trust that, I don't know what I can trust, right, uh, in the Scriptures. So, um, so at stake is the truthfulness of the Scriptures, um, but also that the virgin birth demonstrates that Jesus is truly human and truly divine okay um and if you study theology or uh like of any sort you'll see that when you come to studying um christology about Jesus you realize okay there's um lots of verses that it show us about his humanity and one of them is that he was he was born of a woman right um and um that he actually, later in Luke, you know, it says that he, he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. He had to, he grew up like a physical human being, right? Um, and, uh, and, and so there's his humanity. Uh, I mean, he bled, right? He, he, was, he died on the cross and, you know, he had a heart pumping the blood through his veins. And he was fully human, but yet he was fully God. And and we see his attributes of deity that are displayed. He does these miracles. He knows things of um, uh, things he hasn't seen personally. Um, and, and so it's just uh, all kinds of things uh, that attest to his deity, uh, not to mention that he rose from the dead. Okay. Um, so uh but it is important that he's fully human and fully divine. His humanity uh, he can stand there in our place, right? Um, he, you know, he can he can be there as our substitute, uh, dying on the cross. But uh, in his deity, he was sinless; he never sinned, uh, and so that's important because uh, the uh, his offering, if you will, on the cross needed to be one from a, a, a spotless lamb, one who had never uh, sinned, and he was without sin, and so. Um, I wonder what that would be like raising a child without sin. You know, I mean, I just can't even imagine that. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, but, but so that's it's his having both his humanity uh, and his divinity is important. Now, the, the last thing I'll mention here about the virgin birth and why it's so essential is because it means Jesus did not inherit the curse of depravity that clings to Adam's race, right? So, uh, if Joseph was the real father. Jesus is not spotless and innocent because that seed of Adam would be passed through the father. Okay, that's important for his sinlessness. So um, I, I just always like to bring this up because uh, some people you run into will say, "Well, it doesn't really matter if it was written. no." It does matter that Jesus was born of a virgin. Okay, that, that is important. Um, and the last thing I just want to mention here, in closing, is look at Mary's response in verse thirty-eight. I am the servant of the Lord. Uh, let it be done to me according to your word. In other words, you know, have your way, God. It's not like, you know, uh, she's probably saying, okay, this is, uh, I didn't envision this path for my life, but here we are, and have your way, you know? Um, and so, um, she's just humble. She's humble, and she's like, I'm the servant of the Lord. And, and that just is challenging to me personally, you know, as you, as you think about it, as you're a follower of Jesus, is that our attitude? Is that, are we like, okay, God, uh, this thing that's happening, was, I didn't quite expect this, um, but uh, I, I trust that you know what you're doing and have your way, you know? Um, I, I surrender to you. And so that's just, uh, her heart is incredible, uh, and she has an incredible faith that God's going to somehow work this out. See, you know, there's some practical things that go on when you're, when you know you're not supposed to have had relations with this guy yet, and people see you walking around pregnant, and that could cause some uproar. I mean, you know, uh, and so, but she's just trusting the Lord, and I just think that she's an incredible woman of faith, and we need to really emulate and trust that she. She's like, okay, God, whatever you say, I believe it, and whatever that means for my life. Have your way. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are just in awe of how you have worked out your salvation plan. And um, so thankful that we have an orderly account, an accurate account of what happened, that we have this Gospel of Luke, uh, the physician who has really, with great pains, gone to interview eyewitnesses and has. Put this down for us and that we can, we can know with certainty that these things are true. That Jesus was born of a virgin um, and, that, and that you opened up Elizabeth's womb so that she could have a baby. And so Lord, we are just so thankful for the ministry of John the Baptist and how he was pointing people to Jesus. Lord, help us to be um, like him in that way. God, help us to be living lives that point to Him, but also to say the words, to tell people how they can know Jesus, to, um, to be pointing them to Him. And uh, Lord, help us, uh, like Mary responded to the different uh, things in our lives, just to respond full of faith and trust, knowing that you can do the impossible, and just even thinking as she says there, for, uh, or as the, it is said there Nothing will be impossible with God. And so, Lord, we're so thankful that we serve a God who's in the business of doing the impossible. And, Lord, we want to um, not hold back in our prayers, Lord. We just, uh, we can ask you for big things, trusting you with the outcome, trusting you, you know best, but not to be afraid to come before the throne of grace. Um, and I'm uh, just reminded here recently of just that, James' verse, it says, you have not because you ask not. And so, Lord, let us not uh, have these uh, unanswered prayers because we never, we never asked. <laughs> these things that you wanted to bless us with that we just didn't ask for. Maybe it's because we thought it would be too impossible. Lord, help our unbelief. Um, Lord, thank you for your grace that's demonstrated here. There's, um, Zechariah has experienced your grace there. He He's mute, but yet still going to fulfill the word that was given. They're going to have a son. Lord, we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.